All right, guys, about that time. Chris Brooks here with you again on another edition of the Rebels 247 podcast, part of the 247 Sports Network and Inside the Rebels. Hope you're having a good Monday morning. I mean, it's early. It's about seven, a little after seven for me on a Monday. I mean, that is what it is. But it's going to be a good week. Get some work done today. Get your week off to a good start. Plenty to talk about today on the podcast. We'll go back over the game from Saturday. We'll go back over all the games from Saturday and how things have changed in the West. What your predictions now are for the rest of the year. You know, one thing that is funny to me, and now I've been doing this for 13 years, is is how quickly, first, how much things change from week one to the end of the year. You know, we get to the the finish line and it doesn't resemble what we thought at the beginning. But also, not just that year-long thing, but that week-to-week thing. And teams that you thought were going to be really good, they're not as good as you thought, and, you know, vice versa. Other teams jump up that you didn't expect. And then the pecking order, if you did a power ranking of the SEC overall and, you know, power ranking of college football and the SEC West, it just changes. It changes a lot. It changes a lot. But Ole Miss picks up a huge win over Georgia Tech. And I want to start there, and then we'll go back through the rest of the SEC and, you know, what's happening at the other schools. Also, some recruiting news for you. You know, I had a chance to uh, to talk to some people from, from Picayune about, um, you know, the prospects down there. And they have three or four kids that will end up with SEC offers already with three. And uh, – you. I have some some info on that. We'll get into that. I want to do that near the end of the podcast, though, because I really wanted to do football today, you know, actual on-the-field football. You know, Saturday was a good day. Saturday was a good day. Ole Miss picks up a 42 to nothing win over Georgia Tech, and they looked great doing it. I mean, they, they could not have looked much better than they did. And, yes, Georgia Tech is bad. Yeah, that's true. They're one and two. And I'm not always huge on the whole transitive property. You know, if team A beats team B, B beats C, then team A is also going to beat C. You know, sometimes you can't make too much of this stuff. But Georgia Tech hung with Clemson much better than they did Ole Miss. Now, what do you gather from that? Well, you, you gather something. I mean, you can make too much of it also. You know, you can't just... You can't make too much of it, but it it definitely means something. So you saw what they did right out of the gate in their game against Clemson, and then you see what Ole Miss did against them. Now, Clemson ends up winning that game 41-10, to 10, but in the third quarter, and that's Georgia Tech against number four Clemson at the time, in the third quarter, they were still hanging in that game. and uh, And the Ole Miss game was completely different. I mean, Ole Miss led from start to finish. They dominated not just the scoreboard, they dominated the box score. You know, I'm looking at it right now, just in total yardage, 547 to 214. And they ran for, what? how much, what was the final? 316. When's the last time you can remember Ole Miss rushing for 316? I, I would have to go back through the notes and see what Ole Miss put out, but it's been it's been a bit. It's been a bit. And the last time they had two backs like Quinshawn Jenkins and Zach Evans, and I should have said that the other way. Uh, 
Zach Evans is crazy talented. I mean, he goes, he has a an extra gear that I don't remember many old Miss Rebels having. Not like that. You know, not size, speed, the whole thing. And I'm looking at his individual numbers from the weekend. He ends up going for 134 on 18 carries with a couple of touchdowns. Quinshawn goes for 98 yards on 19 carries with a couple of touchdowns. And then Ulysses Bentley actually picks up a couple of touchdowns, 27 yards, eight carries. That part of the game could not have been any better. The defensive part of the game could not have been any better. Completely dominated on that side of the football. You know, A.J. Finley ends up the leader in tackles with seven, but it wasn't, you know, a one-man thing by any means. I tell you, the guys that popped to me, you know, Clowney had a really good day. You can see him on plays where you can see some talent there and potential with him. You know, the guy to me that's already making a big difference is J.J. Piggies in the middle of the defense. You know, he he has perfect build for that position. And he has great feet. He's quick. Like, he has he has a real chance. If he keeps progressing, he has a real chance to do something. So then you step back and you look at the defensive line, the linebackers, secondary, everything. I mean, they look great. And then finally, you know, you start to look at the quarterback position. I thought Jackson Dart had a good game. He's 10 of 16 for 207, no touchdowns, had one pick. It was a good game in a sense. Yeah, he has plays that you like back. You know, the interception he threw, you know, one of the sacks, he had a guy kind of wide open right in front of him, but he's looking down the field. You know, I could be wrong here, but what I'm gathering from talking to people and then what you're also seeing on the screen, you know, some guys just have that innate ability when when they go back to pass, even though you have all these guys coming at you, it's like they see everything, you know? It's like they have a peripheral vision that's off the charts. They see everything. And then some guys have more tunnel vision. And you see a guy, and then it's hard to see outside of that. And I guess you could call that awareness or whatever you want to call it. He is incredibly talented physically. And that's what everybody sees when they say talent. But you should put just as big a price on the talent part of this that's mental with instincts, awareness, you know, all of those other things. That's where he has to develop. And and hopefully that happens because you can see physically what he can do. Huge arm when he tucks it and runs. Like he said, we haven't made enough of that. With the running backs and the way that Ole Miss is able to run the ball, having a quarterback that can run it like that. He rushes for 40 yards on 10 carries himself. I think the wide receivers are good. Everything about the game, to me, when it, it went as good as it could have gone, and fans should be – you should be pumped. You should be. My kids were excited. You know, family, friends, uh, Ole Miss fans are excited. Now, then you do this. You take it another step. You start looking around the SEC and the other games that are out there, and you look at the power rankings and where everybody stacks up. Georgia is – they're going to decimate the competition. Uh, that's a special team. And Stetson Bennett is very underrated. Like not only does he manage a game and then they're, they're able to use that talent around him. That kid has, I don't know. He has a cockiness and a confidence about him. He has elevated his game. Georgia to me is head and shoulders better than everybody else. Everybody. Then after them, you go to Alabama 
And yeah, they haven't been as impressive in the early goings as some thought they'd be, but they beat ULM 63 to seven in a game. It went exactly like you thought it would go, but that's the no doubt. Number two, in my opinion, and as long as they're Alabama, you have to do the one a and one B thing with them in Georgia, Georgia wins it again this year. Then maybe that starts changing. Uh, but those are the cream of the crop teams, right? Now you look at what everybody else did, and then all of a sudden things have opened up. You know, Kentucky's had a great start. Um, I thought Arkansas had a really good team. They they were in trouble against Missouri State. And yes, that happens, but does it change what I think of them? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it should. Of course it does. You know, Texas A&M hasn't looked anything like I thought they looked. Tennessee, I still think, has a lot to prove. They haven't looked as good as, as Ole Miss, not in my opinion. Florida beats South Florida, but that didn't look impressive. You know, Mississippi State goes down to LSU, and that, that was a rough second half for Mississippi State. I thought that was a solid team going into that game. And then you lose that one in Death Valley. So, yeah, then you start adjusting what your expectations are there. I'd go Georgia-Alabama at the front of this thing. And then after that, yeah, then it's a real possibility that Ole Miss can creep into that third spot in the SEC. And it, look, that's a that's about as good as you can hope for. Like for where Ole Miss has been, you know, the last 10, however, 20, however many years, and where they were most recently with the NCAA thing that just that killed them for several years. To be back here and to go back to back seasons like this is as good as you can hope for right now. You know, Lane Kiffin has done as good a job as anybody in the country. Uh, He's done as good a job as anybody in the country. You know, I was looking at numbers yesterday. The last Ole Miss coach to have a winning record in the SEC was David Cutcliffe, and it was 25 and 23. Right now in the league, Lane is 10 and 7, and he's won 17 of his last 21 games. Okay, so not just winning for what maybe some outsiders would say, that's winning good for where Ole Miss is. No, he's winning big, period. 17-4 and in the last 21 games is winning big. And he's put that in a place they could do something again this year. So, yeah, they're in that third spot. Who else are you looking at? Kentucky. I would probably say Kentucky. And then you get a shot in two weeks with them to kind of prove a point that, this team is legit. No, A&M will be in that conversation. I think Arkansas will still be in that conversation. We'll see how Mississippi State rebounds from that bad loss uh, in Death Valley. But right now, you have to like everything about what Ole Miss is doing. Like That could not be going better. So you get one more tune-up game, and hopefully we say tune-up. You know, you hope and assume the players don't treat it as a tune-up game. Uh, you hope they go out there and they treat it like it's a Super Bowl, get that over with with Tulsa, and then you have the mega game with Kentucky coming to town. And there's rumors out there, could game day be a possibility? I mean, I think it's possible, but if you look at, at the schedule for that day, uh, there there are a lot of games. There are a lot of games that day. But if Kentucky is able to pick up the win this week, they play Northern Illinois, so you expect that's a a W. Expect Ole Miss is a W. You're looking at a couple of teams that 
are Kentucky's already top 10. Ole Miss will be borderline top 10, 13 in the coaches poll. Could game day come to Oxford? Yeah. But we might go back into that tomorrow, what the other games are that day and what the competition is. But, man, that was a great weekend. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, the way things were shaping up just around the league, pretty big shift from week two to week three, in my opinion. And now we'll see what the what the shift is again week three to week four. Now, shift gears here just with me for just a minute. And I'm going to table a couple of things. Zach Evans and Quinshaw Judkins, best running back tandem since, you know, the Deuce Joe Gun days. I want to do that later this week. Of course, we'll preview the weekend games, but there's some other things, I have some other ideas I have for this. But I need to do some recruiting real quick. Everybody's following, you know, Dante Dowdell and what he's doing at Picayune. A couple of juniors that Ole Miss has also offered, and Chris Davis, who I think has a chance to be a big-time athlete next year. And also um, Jamonta Waller. There will be on campus, I'm told, in two weeks. So I'm, I'm told this Saturday you'll probably see Chris Davis on campus. That's the Tulsa game. Um, he's the running back, defensive back that, uh, that I've seen play, and I think the kid has a, has a real chance next year. Not surprised he's getting so much attention. But then all of the other Picayune players, Waller, I think uh, Dante Dowdell, and uh, man, one more, and I'm drawing a blank here. I hate to do that when I'm doing this live. Live for me, live taping. But they're supposed to be in camp, on campus, in campus, whatever, in two weeks. So you get Chris Davis on Saturday. Then in two weeks for the huge weekend for Kentucky, uh, you could bring Dante up. And now look, I don't think you should make too much of that. He's still a heavy commit to Oregon, in my opinion. And everything I hear around him on that end, you know, from down there. But you also kind of read the, you know, the tea leaves here. You know, the more you can get somebody on campus, the better. And, you know, if you have a great day, a, a big win, or, you know, there's always opportunities to change somebody's mind. And he's worth it, in my opinion. From what I've seen of him, you know, they will put up a fight in recruiting that kid. Great kid, great talent. Ole Miss runs the mess out of the ball last Saturday. I mean, is he a factoring into that somewhat? I don't know, but for, I would assume yes. Not that you can game plan for one kid. Nobody's going to do that. But after that game's over, are you making sure that gets out there? Of course it is. Hey, did you see how many times we ran the football this weekend? We ran for 300-plus. Of course you do. And then how they're running it. Yeah, he'd be a great fit for what they're doing. But you get him on campus in two weeks. You already have three of the best players in Mississippi. Uh, I think they have the two best with uh, Sunterine Perkins and Aiden Williams. I think Isaac Smith is in that conversation. Haven't seen him in person, but hopefully I will here in the next couple of weeks. I think he's in that conversation. You could probably put Dante, uh, Dante Dowdell up there and what he's doing. But you already have uh, three of the best players in the state. Jamorius Brown, I haven't seen. And that's, a, that's not a good high school football team. You know, but he is a talented kid. But then if you were able to add a fourth to that mix, then you truly were able to cherry pick the state this year. You didn't bring in the quantity, the numbers, but you absolutely knocked it out of the park with the quality. And things change, you know, 
things change. Kids have a long Friday night at a game or something pops up and they don't get to campus. But right now, I think that's the plan with, with getting all of them to Oxford over the next couple of weeks. All right, guys, that's going to do it today. Enjoy your week. Get some work done today so you can cruise at the end of the week and get ready for some football. This is Chris Brooks with the Rebels 247 Podcast, part of the 247 Sports Network with Inside the Rebels. Hey, for real, for real, like the kids say, always appreciate you guys listening. Y'all have a great day.